Hi there, and welcome to this week's edition of Tellich Talks. It's a great title. 100 Things Browns Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. It's written by Zach Jackson, longtime sports columnist, longtime sports reporter. Got his start with ClevelandBrowns.com and got it at a very young age. Kind of broke into the business in that way. Since then, has been covering the Cleveland Browns from both the inside and from the outside. And we'll get into some of those versions of his career as we chit-chat on a Tuesday morning at the facility that he knows inside and out because, as we mentioned, he was a writer for the Browns. And then after he left the organization, he writes about the team for other uh, publications. And in this case, he's with The Athletic. That's that subscription-based online site that I think is just fantastic and is growing by leaps and bounds. We chatted a little bit about how he got into the business and why he took on such a, a big project to chronicle what's been going on with the Cleveland Browns since they came back in 1999. Little hint here. Not a lot of good has been going on, but he has chronicled all of it. It's a really interesting book. I've had a chance to go through it and read probably 85% of it, and it's really enjoyable. He's a very, very good sports writer with outstanding opinions and a good sense of humor as well. And hey, you need it to cover the Cleveland Browns. Zach Jackson here this week on Tellage Talks. Author, pundit, <laughs> podcasting savant, incredible media conglomerate, all rolled into one person, Zach Jackson. Zach, congratulations on your new book. How tough was it to put it together? Um, in a large sense, <laughs> uh, I was meant for this. Really? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of my life's work, you know, if you think about it. Uh, I do have a face for podcasting, but I've always been writing, yes. and I've always been covering this team, uh, with the exception of the very first year back. So the timing I thought was good, JT. You know, it was exactly 20 years um, as it came together, and I finished the book essentially on the day they traded for Odell Beckham. I thought maybe that was great timing. Maybe we'd sell some. <laughs> you had it all planned, no? So, yeah, so there were challenges involved in not making it all negative. Um mm -hmm. And bringing some of those same stories to life, you can only tell the same story of a regime change and a failed draft pick and a change in ownership. You got a lot of uh, practice on that, did you 13 not? lost season, so many ways. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was cool. I, I would say I wrote 70% of it off the top of my head. Okay. Um, and then, you know, you try to shape things. Obviously, you go through the editing process. And, and uh, the format is cool because it's 100 stories, so it's not chronological. It's not uh, a format where you have to focus on a certain year, a certain thing. Okay. You know, I was able to get out there. So I think there's something that even the most hardcore fan probably hasn't heard or at least hasn't heard in years. And I think there's enough casual and quirky stuff, too, uh, for the casual fan and for a trip down memory lane that I promise is not all sad. <laughs> yeah, there were some good memories. I mean, there yeah. was obviously... Obviously, you know, uh, let's let's go to 0203. There yeah. was a playoff game that actually happened. That's how the book starts. That's how the book starts. <laughs> um, how did you come up? Why did you start with that? And then what 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 caused specific incidents to kind of sit in your brain more so than other ones? Well, I think I started with that because if you think about it, when you've only made the playoffs one time yep. in, in the organization's history and it's focused on the new Browns, gotcha. obviously, um, you start there. And it was also that was everybody thought the Browns were back. 
Yeah. You know, and now everybody's still hoping the Browns will come back, right? They're 17 there. Seventeen years later. So it's it's that, and then the second chapter is the is the story of the franchise, which is thirty quarterbacks in twenty years, which is why you've only been to the playoffs one time. So I kind of felt it was important to start with those things and with Joe Thomas, and yep. then just kind of work from there. Well, Joe Thomas has been one of the central figures in this whole time. From you know his rookie year, they were good, and then you figured, oh, this is this is the start of something. And again, you fell yeah. back into that same old deal. Yeah, I mean, he's the bedrock, right? And he's the Hall of Famer and, you know, the only one that they've drafted. Um, you know, they didn't draft a Pro Bowler until they drafted a long snapper in their fourth year back, fifth year back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he stands above. Um, I think on the new Browns Mount Rushmore, I think Cribs and Dawson sit with him. Okay. Right? And then the other position is up for debate. I think everybody wants it to be Baker, and I still think it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it, it was – like I said, it, it's not just a trip down memory lane, um, but I, you know, like I said, it, it, it was challenging. Um, it was funny. There were some points where I audibly laughed at some <laughs> of the things I was writing, but I was able to dive back into a lot of Butch Davis stories, into Ben Gay, into the Mangini bus ride. Um, you're sitting in the draft room, and in the years they got close, and then you know it didn't happen for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Now people may not know of your history, but obviously when you were a kid in high school, you you attacked this whole realm of writing with a great deal of earnest that kind of formulated your what you are today well at the time it was all i ever wanted to do and now that i'm older i realize it's all i could ever do i'm not qualified (laughs) to do much of anything else so uh so yes at least you recognize this oh listen timing is is everything in the world and so for me to get in here as the at the browns as a 20 year old intern because they were starting up a dot com that's timing right yeah. uh for me to be able to share my opinions and my sarcasm on twitter you know that's timing at a time when i'm trying to make a name for myself in this business right so um eventually the timing will be right for the browns i promise <laughs> uh as we've seen it's just not going to be easy but um i hope that that everybody who's been along for the ride will check this book out how was it in when you guys started up the the, the dot com obviously you're pretty much making up the rules as you went along no you know i remember jt we we printed t-shirts and bought billboards trying to get people to say this is clevelandbrowns.com like this is going to be the new way of doing things yeah. you know uh, this is pre-twitter this is yeah pre, you know right we, we used to do a coach's radio show that streamed but you know forget phones people didn't even have high-speed internet except at their offices at the time right so who was yeah. listening my mom was listening <laughs> of course or she said she there. was <laughs> right uh and so now this, this conglomerate they have where they blast everything out on twitter and instagram and facebook so we were just trying to get people established there we were just trying to write stories and, and relate uh and, and now the game has totally changed so you know the nfl has thrived off being in your face yes. um all the time 360 days a year or whatever it is and i don't even think that's an exaggeration right Right. So, yeah, I mean, you go back 20 seasons and what you're trying to do, you, you see the roots of it. And it was cool to be on the ground floor of that. It was real cool the year that Butch Davis came in because there was so much that went into uh, Carmen and and Al bringing him here and him being the savior. And for a while, he kind of was, wasn't he? Yeah. But then, like a lot of the people here in Cleveland Browns history in recent era, um, you know, the what do they say? The, the prince had no clothes or however you yeah. want to say it. He, he was exposed to it as well. Well, when you think about it, you know, they were an expansion team for those two years. They won a total of five games, I believe. So he comes in, they win seven right away. And, and they were playing good defense. So he's a savior. Something. 
And then, you know, the one season they do make the playoffs, it was a wild ride. They won six road games. Yeah. Uh, they kind of came out, they got hot in December and, and kind of snuck in. A bunch of things went their way, which is the only time that's happened for these new Browns, <laughs> right? And then it all kind of, it came off. I think he tried to do too much, and then it was what it's been. It's just when you don't have the quarterback, that kind of falls apart. When you when you always have a quarterback, you always have a chance. Yeah. And this team just hasn't had one. And so, um, in addition to 20 years being around number 30 was a nice round number. And uh, so I cover them all from from Ty Detmer to, to Baker Mayfield. Let's go back again. Let's go, <laughs> let, and we'll get to Baker as he comes on board with uh, the Browns in just the last year and a half. With a guy like Butch, uh, you were were you working for him or how how was that relationship? Yeah. So you know it was interesting because he very much felt we were working for him. Okay. And obviously working for the Browns we were, but there was always a middleman involved. Gotcha. You know Butch wants this. However, you're not going to get him. Or maybe one time I talked to him on the phone, but it was like I couldn't call even though I'm a team employee. I, I'll never forget that so um yeah butch wasn't much for the truth um and, and butch was all about butch and that's why it, it ended the way it did for him do you think more team uh backed uh what's the word i'm looking for uh, um, entities whether the broadcast or social media have come a long ways in in terms of being more transparent in that yeah respect? i think a lot of them have i think a lot of them realize look we're always the team we're always going to be on the team side but you don't gain from fighting little fights and, and ignoring the truth gotcha. you know so i i can't speak for everyone's relationship obviously but i think you have to have a balance of okay it's important that we have team-owned media and it's important that we promote the things that we have and we stream the press conferences and we get our message out there but we really can't afford to sweat little deep little details on things you know so um I, i'm always sensitive to it because i've worked on both sides yeah you know that was basically the first 10 years of my professional career was being on the inside so to shift i understand kind of the balance and i really just think if everyone acts like a pro it's not a big deal mm-hmm. We mentioned the shift. Ten years with the team, and then you go to quote the outside world. Mm-hmm. How were you? How were you uh, fortified as a journalist from your ten-year experience here, dealing with the pratfalls and the pitfalls of, of, of the team wanting things a certain way, and you trying to evolve as a reporter? How did you make that break from that to you know working for like Fox, and then now yeah. you're the at the athletic? well, you knew I knew a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, from the league because the Browns fired everybody every two years. So so it was <laughs> and they're easy all to make over those the league. connections. Uh, but you know here I got to cover the senior bowl i got to cover the draft i was at the events i knew and it's just you know when you're young and you go cover a high school game um you know you have to find your own roster you have to find your own stuff you come to the nfl do that right (laughs) you come to the nfl it's all there presented for you so you just get used to it so it was different in the approach but it really wasn't all that different i I think what's been different jt more than anything is just you know i grew up reading sports illustrated and reading the newspaper every day and thinking that i would work for newspapers unless sports illustrated or espn or whatever came along right well i've never had a full-time job newspapers because it's just changed it's always been the web you know i have never had a full-time job at a place that existed when i was in high school so it's just that's that's how the world has changed twitter is such an important part of what yeah. we do you know instagram is to a lesser extent is an, is an important part of what we do post everything on facebook you reach people that way you know whether it's the book whether it's the podcast whether it's a column i write tomorrow for the athletic it's all there and all that stuff didn't exist let alone the athletic which didn't exist till three years ago right well, you know, so the Bill Livingstons of the world, the guys that were in the the print business for many years, they never, and probably until the last part of his career, never had to do what you've pretty much done from the get-go, and that's kind of work on your brand. You got to yeah. be a journalist, sure, but yeah, you kind of have to work on. We your all brand. work for uh, ourselves to an you, extent. In, no to an extent. So how yeah. has that been for you? Oh, uh, it's it's been great. You know, um, like I said, he, I. I 
I am grateful for this Browns experience young in my career for a lot of reasons, but one of them is you are conscious of how, how you're perceived and you know how things can get out there in a hurry if someone doesn't like it, right? Okay, if it's right. the wrong way. And that's what I tell kids all the time is you can work and work and work and work. And when you're me, you're selling yourself on social media. But when you're young, you just have so much to lose because one stupid post can, can really cost you. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be famous. You want to be in there. You want to have 20,000 followers. You want to do all these things. Well, unfortunately, the quickest way to get attention is to really do something stupid. So it's not to say I, I've had all great tweets or uh, I haven't, you know, I, or I don't regret diving into a Twitter argument or taking a side that I shouldn't have, mm-hmm. but I'm very conscious of it because I just don't, you just can't win in that stuff most of the time. How has it been for you to cover this team from the outside versus, you know, you know, it, it was a little bit awkward at first just because I was inside, mm-hmm. but it, it, it was so long ago for one. And there was just always so much change, you know, there's maybe three people here that still work here. And, and But even five years ago, there was only a handful of people that still work here because it's it's just shuffled through that. So uh, I think it was awkward over the first couple of months ju- just because, like it is anytime you change jobs or move houses or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then it was like, okay, this is my job. This is what I do. So, um, you know, the Browns have been the Browns. Everybody recognizes the orange helmet. There's not any. There's not much else that you recognize because there's been so much change. So there's there's Joe Thomas, right? right. <laughs> They're trying to build it. Hopefully Freddie and Dorsey and Baker and Jarvis and Miles and Chubb will be here for a long time. But there's just been so few of those. I mean, going back through the book, you just didn't realize like how special, like even a Joe Hayden, who's a pretty good player by yeah. NFL standards and has had a really good career. You know, most organizations have 8 to 12 Joe Haydens. Like yeah. he stands out here. And because he was here for seven years or whatever it was right, and right. made two Pro Bowls. That is so rare among the guys they've drafted. And yet there are other characters that I'm sure are central to your book, people that were more infamous than yeah. – so, who would be a good example of that? Well, I will tell you one of my favorite chapters, and that's writing about the McCown brothers. Okay. Uh, and not, because, not just because they were good guys, but because they kind of personify – the ridiculousness of this whole situation, right? They draft Luke McCown. He has no chance to be a starter, but by the end of his rookie season, he has to play because everything's gone wrong. And then Josh McCown, you bring him in, you know that he's not a top level player that he never was, but you need some adults in the room. You ask him, he's willing to die for the Cleveland Browns out there. Fall on a sword. Right, right. And you know, you bench him because you know, it's time to move on. Johnny gets busted again on social media. (laughs) You bring Josh back. He's never anything but a pro. He never spoke bad about Johnny in public, never trashed the organization, never said what is going on here, just did his work and just, you know, is a great, respected guy. And so to, to have to think about 30 quarterbacks in that many years and two of them to be brothers in a 10-year period and their winding journeys and they were both here, uh, it's like, wow, what a what a show this has been. That's crazy. <laughs> so what gave you, uh, what kept you up at night as the project was, uh, you know, kind of coming to a close? Well, you, you, just little things as a writer that you worry about. Um, did I did I mess this up? <laughs> you know, uh, did, did I get everything in line? Like there was this when Ed Reed went in the Hall of Fame back in August. Uh, I reached out to some of the old Browns quarterbacks and I wrote a story on how he just haunted the Browns. What a player he right? was! Um, 
Well, anyway, somewhere along the way, I went back to double check a stat, and I was convinced that I had it, had gotten it wrong in the book. So it was like 4 a.m. wake up sweating bullets, oh, running back to the transcript of the book that it was <laughs> you know it was already at the printer. Yeah. And I didn't get it wrong, but I just thought I did. <laughs> yes. And so then when you finally hold it, it's like this is cool because this was a lot of work. And then you just kind of hope like hell that there's only two or three mistakes and not eight or nine. And um, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a tell all, although there's a lot to tell. Uh, I think the stories kind of explain themselves. So, but you just hope that there's there's no gripes or anything like that. And, and I don't think there are. I mean, if, if I couldn't double confirm it, I didn't write it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I lived it. So most of it was just getting um, digital pen to paper because most of it was right here in this decaying brain of mine. Getting back to that, everything <laughs> upstairs in in uh, up up in your in your noggin there. If it's something that's interested to you, it's 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 retained by you. Mm-hmm. So it was just a process of you getting that stuff that was yeah, up in your ju- noggin. You know. And just like maybe looking at a list to see, you know, to jog the memory. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine who teaches at Medina Highland High School um, teaches a sports history class in the second semester. And he had me out and I was about 80% say done with a book. And uh, we kind of talked about the Browns and I talked about the writing process or whatever. And the kids asked me a couple of questions that day that actually jogged my memory and made me go back and add things in the book. So, okay. so yes, so I lived this here and, yeah. and it was all right in front of me. And obviously everything is online. I mean, all the football databases and pro football reference. I spent hours on that to make sure I was right. But here I am, like it wouldn't have been the same without that conversation with some 16 year old kids, sure, <laughs> kids sure. that day. So it was kind of funny, the different things that jogged my memory. And then as you went through the final like shaping process of like, okay, what has to be in there? Well, to me, like the Mangini bus ride, Ben Gay, the McCown brothers, that all had to be in there, right? <laughs> so, uh, and, and then of course, obviously the Tim Couches and the Courtney Browns and the Joe Thomases had to be in there too. So I was really proud of how I was able to kind of get that mix of, of the different stories. And then in all those failed draft picks, because I knew them early on, kind of bring their stories to life. Well, you were on the bus for the bus uh, I trip? was on the bus. What was that like? 20 hours and 20 minutes over two I days. I remember the story from a peripheral level because we weren't privy yeah. to being on the and bus. And then Eric Mangini like was were. shamed into <laughs> riding the bus home. And then when we got here, matter of fact, right here as we sit right now, um, they had a guard on duty because it was the weekend in the off season who didn't have the keys to anything. So we couldn't come in. You the couldn't even door. come to the building. So at 3.30 in the morning, here's me and Eric Mangini walking around, driving a cart like we're the equipment guys. You know, And I was actually lower than the equipment guys on the organizational depth chart <laughs> at the time, but he was the coach. And he was only here because he'd been shamed basically by pro football talk, right? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> to, to be out there. So, um, And I, I hated that at the time because it overshadowed a really good deed that he was doing, but it did sum up the state of the Browns at the time and that he was so intent on being the emperor instead of just coaching the damn team, right? And he just was so intent on being mini Belichick instead of, you know, whatever, like, how can you do that? The rules clearly state you can't make the rookies work on the weekends, but get on the bus, guys. It's not voluntary. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that also, you know, to me is a turning point in coverage because that is when pro football talk and social media were both in the process of really getting going yeah. and, and how every story could just blow up quickly the way it does now, which yeah. is why we all get exhaustion yes. from, from this stuff. It's not, it's totally different than news at noon, news yeah. at six. Yes, right? it, it, it so totally is. <laughs> yeah. And yet, but but you said, I mean, t- today I'm, I'm driving here to Berea. It's a Tuesday and um, there's a fake account saying Freddie Kitchens was yeah. fired. And, yeah. and we see this almost every day. No, I, I did two radio interviews this morning. So <laughs> say total of 40 minutes. I mean, I'm addicted, JT. I get off and I feel like I've missed texts or missed tweets while I'm on my phone. Yeah. You know? And I say to myself, every time like who cares if it's something important your bosses will call you yeah though but like you have to stop 
hanging up that phone and immediately going back to see what I missed. Like, yes. you have to live in the outside world sometimes. It's exhausting, <laughs> it man. It is. I literally is. drove off the side of the road on my way here to Berea when I saw that, and shame on me for even looking at my phone mm -hmm. while I was driving, but I did, and I pulled over. All right, it's fake. Continue the drive. No, I, I will tell you, 77 and 71, I can t point out the rest areas and the gas stations where I've pulled over from time <laughs> to time to either do an interview, send a tweet, follow up on something, you know, because just of the crazy world that, that we live in. Mm -hmm. All right, Zach, let's talk about uh, a little bit more about the book. And do you have any plans? It's probably too soon after the birth of this baby uh, to write something else. Yeah, you know, I, it, it has inspired me. I do have a couple ideas, oh, cool. but, but yeah, it's way too soon. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, sure. I'm just excited. You know, today is the official release date, so this is great timing. I've had it for about five weeks, and so I've been kind of gradually doing the radio podcast, yeah. uh, a little bit of TV circuit, pushing it online. I don't want to be that person that shoves it down everybody's throat, so I'll take a couple weeks off from doing that, and then at cool. Thanksgiving I'll be shoving it down everyone's throat again, Yeah. right? So um, got a signing in Chagrin Falls next week, um, a couple library and high school things that'll be pretty low-key, and then, uh, you know, like I said, in November and December, maybe make a Christmas push, and then we'll see if the Browns start playing well again. I think maybe there'll be some excitement. I know that uh, this morning they already had sold out at the airport uh, bookstore in Terminal A, so that was an exciting thing to hear. That is really cool yeah. to kind of keep up on a daily basis without being too anal about it, right? That's that. That's right. Like it's really cool. It's when like checking people, your tweets. Yeah. <laughs> like people get the picture. Right. They get. They got it delivered. They ordered it on Amazon. They post the picture. You know. Or today it's officially in store. So someone comes in. And it's really cool to see that. But I, I understand because I've been on the outside, you don't want to overly push it on people. Right. Like with every tweet, you know, with every day. So I'll, I'll give everybody a couple weeks and, and I'll need uh, after this burst too because it, it's just been, like all summer I got ready for the book and now the book's yeah. here. So it's a, it's a mix of emotions, um, exhaustion, relief, excitement, all those things, which is cool because that means I poured my heart into it, which I did. That you did. This Your new chapter in your career working for The Athletic, it's been a little while. What has that been like for you? And uh, it's really given you more of a chance to do the long-form stuff? Yeah, it's been super refreshing because we're not chasing clickbait headlines and, and a million little stories. And, you know, the first year here is when they went 0-16. And I thought, who who in the world is going to pay to read about this team? Right. <laughs> well, Browns fans are loyal. They're great. Things have turned around. Uh, we've never been short on stories here, even though sometimes in the off-season you feel like there's more to write about than, right. than in the season. But, yeah, the athletic has been great. Um, you know, we were the third city. I was like the 20th employee. Now we're in three countries, minimum, you know, 48 major cities That's crazy. Um, covering everything. So uh, they've been great. The, the, the chance to um, go and pursue big stories and, you know, to kind of write without format it has been has been awesome. So um, we still want to cover the news. We still want to be, uh, you know, an authority on on our subjects, but I mean, I've been all over the, well, it's two continents with this team, right? And all over the country chasing stories at other times. Wow. It, it really sounds like a great adventure and we're only kind of on the cusp of where it's going to go, Zach. Agreed. In terms of how people will be willing to pay for specific content and go, go in that. Yeah. Regard. I think you're, I think you're going to have to, I think that's just the way it's going to be. You know, I certainly wasn't on the business side. I was barely in the business late nineties, early two thousands is, is this whole model kind of changed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think everybody's going to get used to paying for content. Content, and then that's going to put even more pressure on us to make it worth the subscription. Well, I've had a chance to read a good chunk of the book. It's really entertaining stuff, and I wish you nothing but the best with it, my friend. Well, I appreciate you having me to talk about it, JT. Thanks once again to Zach Jackson for the great chat. Look forward to more publications 
that he's involved with. But as he said, he's going to take a little break. That was just a lot of work to put that book together. And enjoy if you get the opportunity to pick it up. And just enjoy reading it. It's one of those great gifts for the holiday season. And it's something that uh, you can keep around the house and always refer back to when you want to reminisce about the Cleveland Browns. also want to update you on a couple of guys that were subjects of previous uh, episodes. Episode 38, the most recent one that we did on Mike Schaefer. He was the ultramarathoner who did two straight 100-mile ultramarathons, only separated about seven or eight days. He accomplished the first one, got through the 100-miler, and then about seven days later tried the Oil Creek 100-miler in western Pennsylvania and did not have that much success. He got to 44 miles. He had some foot issues, and he was just kind of beat up from having run so recently uh, back in uh, Virginia the week before. So he pulled out of the race and is just going to make sure everything is okay. As we say, life is a marathon, or in the case of us, idiotic Ultra marathoners, it's a marathon times four, and life goes on. So you just live to run another day. Best wishes to Mike. And also, in episode 31, we chatted with Rob Steger. He's the ultra marathoner who did the triple crown of 200 mile ultra marathons. He did them all within the span of 60 days. One was 200 miles, then he had about 30 days off, ran the second one, and then after a 30-day break, he ran the final one called the Moab 240. He actually tacked on enough mileage to make it basically 401 kilometers, 401K. He's involved in the financial world. And the number is significant because he was raising money for childhood pediatric cancer research. And he's just a tremendous guy, and I congratulate him on completing the Triple Crown of 200s. That is just an absolutely awesome feat. Congratulations to Rob. So thanks very much for listening. Please do us all the usual favors. Subscribe, rate, and of course, if you give us those five stars on Apple Podcasts, that certainly gets the word out. And if you subscribe, that does as well. Thanks again to Zach. I enjoyed the chat, buddy, and best wishes to you as you move forward. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Tellage Talks.